This week on Crime World... There was a Republican police from 1920. I mean, the IRA was effectively trying to run an underground government. And actually, there was a crime wave. 1919-1920, there's a wave of bank robberies, post office robberies, robberies of individuals, robberies of pubs in Dublin and in rural areas as well. So the IRA tried to actually clamp down on that. They, on occasion, solving bank robberies and giving the money back to the banks. Now, I'm Nicola Talent, and you can listen to my podcast, Crime World, wherever you get your podcasts. On this week's Big Tech Show, when will cars safely drive themselves on our streets? And who in Ireland is providing the technology to help them do that? We talk to one of the country's biggest automotive autonomy entrepreneurs. I have BMW Drive Assist in my own vehicle and it is much, much safer because we are all prone to distraction, especially when we're on the motorway from Limerick to Dublin, for example. We've all been there where you actually forgot a whole section of the road. So I would say if you take it from a safety perspective and it does allow you to kind of relax. The Big Tech Show, available on all podcast platforms. If you like the Indo Daily, you can follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm not going to say that it's comfortable, but when you feel like people haven't gotten any sense of who you are for so long, it's really nice to just be able to have the opportunity to let people have a bit more of a glimpse into what's happened and, and also who we are. Today on the Indo Daily, when Harry met Megan the not-so-funny rom-com. Hi, Harry. Take you, Megan. To be my wife. To be my wife. To have and to hold. To have and to hold. May 2018, and the happy couple tied the knot and all seemed good for the Duke and Duchess of Sussex. But three years later, that would all change. It is official. The Queen confirms the two are no longer working members of the royal family. And perhaps what's most significant here is that Prince Harry will lose his honorary military appointments and both of them will lose all their formal royal patronages. The fairy tale was truly over with allegations of conspiracies and racism. There are several conversations. There's a about conversation it. with you, with Harry, about how dark your baby is going to be potentially, and what that would mean or look like. I'm Fiannan Sheen, and today on the Indo Daily, I'm joined by Irish independent columnist Sinead Ryan to go behind the scenes of the new Netflix documentary, Harry and Meghan, and ask if the royals in exile will be stripped of their titles. Sinead, H&M, it's a well-known fashion outlet on the high street, but now we have to refer to Harry and Meghan as H&M as a result of this documentary. Tell us, what is Harry and Meghan, the Netflix documentary? Well, it is a two-hour story that really has been squeezed out into six hours and Netflixed in in the way that they do best. Uh, It is probably one of the most expensive documentaries ever made. It is reported that Harry and Meghan have or are receiving $100 million for their participation with Netflix, um, who also produced The Crown, of course, which has come in for great criticism uh, for its portrayal, inaccurate portrayal of the royal family. So uh, the documentary itself is an attempt by Harry and Meghan to tell their, inverted commas, story, journey, whatever words you want to use from it and their experience of living within the confines of the royal family. Harry, of course, has done that for the best part of 38 years. Meghan has done it for about five minutes. But nevertheless, they have an important story to tell and they want to get it aired and aired they are doing. 
Jeanette, this seems to be an attempt by Harry and Meghan to go over and above all of the the regular media coverage of them to tell their own story. But as you say, a lot of money involved. Do they need the money that badly to do this? I think they are going to need the money. And and the reason I say that is that, you know, they are not working members of the royal family, so they don't get any stipend or um, money from the palace machine anymore, or indeed from the British taxpayer. So as such, they do have to forge their own way. Now, they've chosen to live an extremely expensive lifestyle, not not in keeping with the way Harry used to live. But I mean, that the mansion that they bought out in Montecito is cost about $14 million. But the biggest single cost is actually their security. And they claim that they need round-the-clock, 24-hour protection from a team of top security people, which they now have to pay for privately. Now, that is estimated to cost anything up to 10 or $15 million a year, uh, in line with the top celebrities that live around them in the neighbourhood. Now, that really has to be funded into the future if they genuinely believe their lives are in danger or their safety is in danger or that of their children. Uh, And it is going to cost a great deal of money. Now, you add into that something like Megan's wardrobe. I mean, you know, she's not uh, averse to spending five, six, seven thousand dollars on a single gown. Uh, the travel expenses, they like to pl- fly by private jet where they can. Uh, so, yes, it's an expensive lifestyle and it has to be paid. What about the the revelations, if there were any, out of out of this these opening uh, episodes? So the big overarching theme seems to be a, a kind of a media conspiracy against them. Yeah, now look, Fanon, I've been a media, a a kind of a watcher of the royals for the best part of 35 years. I learned nothing new and I've watched the first three episodes. The only single nugget of information that I learned uh, that I didn't heretofore know was the fact that Meghan's niece was invited to the wedding and she was advised not to go. That's it. Uh, the only new footage I saw, apart from Meghan and Harry giving the interviews, was was their son Archie walking into a chicken coop. Uh, every other piece of it and every other revelation and story had been in the press. It had been rehashed. Um, and, and, and in fact, not inaccurately so. So for this claim that everybody's been out to get them and lying about them and briefing against them, while there was a certain amount of that all the way through, There was no exposures in the way that, for instance, there was on the Oprah show. Now, Oprah, by the way, must be laughing uh, all the way to the bank because she didn't have to pay 100 million quid and she got by far the better revelations. There are several conversations. There's a conversation with you, with Harry, about how dark your baby is going to be potentially and what that would mean or look like. In terms of tensions within the the royal court, they do take a pop at Kate Middleton, uh, Prince William's wife, and another person who's come in from the the outside, a a commoner, albeit her her father's worth 50 million, so not quite so common. Uh, What did you make of that? Well, I have to say I was terribly disappointed to see that. And I think Harry should be kind of ashamed of himself. When William met Catherine, it was very much, she she came in for an awful lot of opprobrium from the public and from the press. She was called Weighty Katie for years. Uh, They followed her around. They took paparazzi shots off her. Absolutely the same treatment Diana had got uh, before her. Uh, But Kate is made of different stuff. She's firmly middle-class English county from a very 
good, close family. And, and she's she's made of sterner stuff. She's the perfect consort for a future king. And she has never, ever put a foot wrong. I mean, to the extent that within, within months of Meghan arriving into the palace firm, there were complaints of bullying from staff. There was... Um, you know, tears and resignations and all of that. In in her years, in her 15 years in royal circles, that has never been levelled at Catherine. So I do find that it was a shame that the pop that was given to her, which is that she was, you know, the Windsor men like to marry women who go into a certain mould. Uh, you know, the, the, the assumption is that there's no substance to Kate. She, she's just somebody that was a bit like Play-Doh that just became a kind of a fashion horse. I think that's unfair. What was kind of remarkable, though, to see in this documentary, and again, it's it's not new, is the Martin Bashir interview with Princess Diana actually being aired in it. Your husband renewed his relationship with Mrs. Camilla Parker Bowles. Were you aware of that? Yes, I was. But I wasn't in a position to do anything about it. What evidence did you have that their relationship was continuing even though you were married? A a woman's instinct is a very good one. (laughs) So you were isolated? Mm Mm-hmm. Very much so. Yes, and and this may be problematic actually in in legal terms because we know that the BBC have been banned from ever showing that footage again. It was uh, acquired uh, through nefarious means. Uh, That's all been admitted now, Bashir and uh, Charles Spencer, Diana's brother. Uh, And there's a whole episode in The Crown actually dedicated to it if anybody wants to have a look. It's probably the nearest to the truth in that particular series. Uh, So William had requested the BBC never to air the footage. And in fact, they haven't and they agreed to do that. So I think that in so doing within this documentary, uh, Harry is trying to lay claim almost entirely to Diana's legacy. And and that will come as a bit of a shock to William, who is also her son, uh, who happens just to have coped differently. And yes, he's a different person. Uh, and this idea that Harry seems to be giving across, which is that I am my mother's son, they were his words, and that all that has happened to Diana is now happening to me and it's history repeating itself and all that kind of thing. A lot of the rules around royal functions and palaces and and press were changed after Diana died with the specific intention of leaving them alone. And that is the case. I I saw some members of the press pool, some of the royal correspondents, and they were saying, look, that simply doesn't happen. One, especially where children are involved, one pool photographer is sent to cover the first day at school, you know, the end of term, the sports day, whatever that is for one photograph one member of the press and Megan's claims in the past that like they'd be eight thick and hundreds of photographers that is simply not true Uh, and certainly I think it was unfair of Harry to propagate that particular untruth uh, in this series that said Megan did come under intense uh, and unfair scrutiny Uh, when she first joined the family. Absolutely no doubt about that. Uh, But it was mostly from online keyboard warriors. And if you're going to let that get to you, well, don't be a celebrity, you know. Shore up, call yourself Mr. and Mrs. Windsor and open up a chicken farm. I mean, you know, honestly, parading yourself over six hours on Netflix is not the way to make that situation any better. So Harry is basically claiming that the treatment of Meghan was racist. 
that there was a continual racist undertone and that he wasn't getting any support from the, the royal family to fight back against this? I think that is probably a fair claim. And there is no doubt that the barbs and uh, jibes that were put at Meghan were definitely racist uh, for to, to some extent. Now, look, that, that's a bit of a leap from saying, are the royal family racist? Look, it's, the Queen set up the, column, the Commonwealth, a, a voluntary organisation of 53 countries, 16 of whom she's head of state. And this idea in one of the episodes, I think it was episode two, that, you know, it was now being, uh, it's now got some kind of racist undertone and racist legacy. I, I really, really think that that is probably pushing it too far. Was Meghan herself the victim of racism? Yes. No, no question. She's absolutely right there. And I think she is right to have said that uh, and right to point it out. And plenty of examples were shown. I mean, there was a lot of tabloid press around the time using words like an exotic breath of fresh air into the family. Th those kind of words, notably that was from Rachel Johnson, Boris Johnson's sister, uh, who's a journalist. Uh, things like that, a colourful addition to the family, that, that kind of silly stuff. Um, and I think that is probably fair that she felt that way and that it should be called out. But I think we're at the stage now where we're pushing the, the levels of it and, and to what extent the impact it had on them and their decisions. What about the the fallout with with Meghan's father Thomas Markle, who who became something of a a tabloid obsession obsession at the time of the wedding? Indeed, and I found it interesting throughout the three episodes of this current documentary that there are so few contributors uh, on both sides. Um, it is thought that some of Harry's best friends were asked to contribute, and all declined. His ex-girlfriend, Chelsea Davey, was asked to contribute. She firmly declined. There were no friends of Meghan's. So these were kind of, they're now court, uh, the few people in it. One of the voices I was very welcome to see, and it was very good to hear her, was Doria Ragland. The last five years has been challenging. Yeah. How does it feel to be here talking about that today? I'm ready to have my voice heard, that's for sure. A little bit of my experience. That is uh, Megan's mother. And we have never heard her open her mouth before. Uh, and she came across as articulate and smart and clever. Uh, and it was good and refreshing to hear her. However, her purpose there, I believe, was to have a pop at the dad, Tom Markle, uh, for all that he did. And there is no doubt he caused immense hurt to Harry and particularly Meghan around the time of the wedding with his stupid antics and his silly, you know, efforts to make money out of the press and the staged photographs and all of that. A silly, silly man. However, uh, I do believe there was probably an argument for having flown him over to the UK a couple of weeks prior to the wedding and shoring him up in a house somewhere. The courtiers did discuss that at the time and decided against it. And he himself didn't want to do it. Uh, but I think a lot could have been averted uh, and the only takeaway from it is that Meghan doesn't seem particularly good at managing any relationships. Uh, so make of that what you will uh, going forward. We also have her saying that the uh, around about that time again, the engagement, that this was somehow an, an orchestrated reality show. She's an actress. You know, the royal family is in effect showbiz. What did she expect here? How did you first meet? Uh, mm. Yes, we first met. We were introduced actually by a mutual friend. In your engagement interview, um, 
<laughs> orchestrated reality show. Yep. But it was, you know, rehearsed. Well, indeed. And, and what should she expect? I mean, every single royal engagement is a carefully orchestrated reality show on speed. Uh, of course it is. That's what they do. Uh, and if she really thought that wasn't the case, well, then the fault lies with Harry for not explaining it to her and preparing her for life. Uh, it was interesting that it is known that the Queen, uh, who very much welcomed Meghan into the family, mainly because she just wanted Harry to be happy. He's a troubled lad and, and she was delighted he'd found somebody. Uh, when Meghan was due to join the family, the Queen did two things. The first thing she did was tell Meghan that if she wished to remain as an actress, that would be absolutely fine. She did not need to be a working member of the royal family with a list of charities and cutting ribbons and all that. She understood Meghan might want to continue doing this and that was fine. The second thing she did was offer Sophie Wessex, who's the, the married to Edward, as a mentor for her for her first year. In other words, what Diana didn't have to, to hold her hand, explain to her how it worked, what was expected of her, what she was and was not allowed to say in terms of her political engagement uh, and work with her. And uh, Megan, by all accounts, refused, saying that she had vast experience in this area and didn't need any help. Thank you very much. Now, I think now that might have helped her a great deal that sense that this is not an actor's life. Uh, this is not celebrity. It is duty. And there's a world of difference between service and charity. What do you think about the reaction to the documentary so far? Underwhelming or has it got enough hype around it such that people will watch it? Harry and Meghan, the dreariest couple in the history of planet Earth, famously abandoned their royal duties for a life of privacy. They left the Goldfish Bowl of Great Britain the camouflage of California, remember? Famously sheltered from the evil British press. And since then, they've kept an incredibly low profile as they vowed to. If you excuse the massive book deals, the Silicon Valley startups, the preaching videos about well-being, the podcasts, the speeches, and the major network interviews with everyone from Oprah Winfrey to James Corden. But they've barely been seen or heard at all, have they? Well, on Thursday, they'll quietly and apologetically release their $100 million documentary series on Netflix. There are trailers for this, and viewers with sensitive stomachs should look away now. Well, the, a couple of the, the very tabloids they want to avoid had kind of set up think pieces on 10 new revelations and five contradictions and all this kind of thing. I mean, really, it was tough to fill that copy because there were no new revelations. Um, there really weren't. Now, whether they're, they're to come, whether they're in the next three episodes remains. Interestingly enough, the director of these episodes, Liz Garbus, who's a very, very well-respected director in Hollywood, uh, she has resigned. So the next episodes are not under her watch. And I think she wanted more of a kind of at home with the Kardashians kind of piece. And they weren't going for that. She's out of it now. So it'll be interesting to see what new direction these other three take. The reaction from people watching, it seems to be a little bit like a wind fest. And we've heard all this before. Now, this is for an American audience. And, and it's very important to realise this. We are not the target here. It is to shore up their future income and uh, media career and all of that over there. So a lot of this stuff needed to be set down as establishment. Here's what happened 50 years ago, 100 years ago to make this the thing now. In episode three, by the way, we got a history of black slavery for the, about 10 minutes of it. it. It didn't seem to fit well, but I, you could see where they were trying to pivot that, that piece. 
Americans love optimism. They love go-getting. They love picking yourself up and moving on. And in a time of a cost of living crisis, high inflation, a war in Ukraine, nurses going to food banks, like it is not going to sit well because this idea that we are, we don't know how we got here. Uh, we don't know what happened. Well, the answer is by private jet and your, you know, your living seems to be extremely comfortable. It will wear thin. What about talk in the UK press of stripping them of their titles? The Queen had to deal with the departure. Uh, he, Prince or King Charles now has to deal with the, the future uh, of this couple. Charles is a different monarch to his mother. And for all of Queen Elizabeth's great charm and longevity and experience, she was not a sentimental person. And she had no compunction in stripping Harry of all of his royal duties, including his most beloved, which was uh, chief of uh, battalions in the army. And as an army man himself, that one hurt the most. But she did it and she did it without blinking. Charles, not only is Harry's father and genuinely loves him, but he's more sentimental. And, you know, I, I think it would take a huge leap for him to strip his son of anything. Based on these three episodes, there'll be no comment. There was nothing worth pushing back on, to be honest here. Um, whether there will be in the next three remains to be seen. Looking ahead to the future, are they Edward and Mrs. Simpson or are they... Prince Rainier and Grace <laughs> Kelly. Uh, will, will they become? Will they become just hated and ignored or, or well, loved and it's cherished? It's an interesting comparison. Um, you know, I, I think uh, the difference is that that Rainier and Grace, of course, Rainier was the monarch and Grace was his consort. Harry just simply isn't that important. He, he's the second son and he is suffering from second sonitis. Uh, so um, the the Edward and and Wallace. Comparison is probably closer. Uh, they're in exile, uh, self-chosen, um, and and racking their brains about what they can do next. And if there's an appetite for what Meghan is offering, and let's not, you know, mince our words here. Harry is not the brightest tool in the box. He is going to be led by the nose on this one, and um, and and Meghan is going to do it if they can find a way to remain relevant creating dull but worthy documentaries that somebody's prepared to pay for. If the podcast takes off, it's not really so far, uh, then good luck to them. And they may well be able to fund their life and find a way. The difficulty I would see uh, and the worry, uh, particularly for the royal family, would be if it descends into celebrity endorsements, an Instagram influencer thing, that they're making the money in more tawdry ways that Netflix demand their pound of flesh, which they clearly have not got here, into delving into secrets of Diana and Charles's marriage. Or Now, only Harry can provide that, of course, and whether he's willing to is another thing. I would be uncomfortable. I, I think that we will be watching Harry and Meghan in the future through our fingers and from behind the sofa. And my thanks to Sinead Ryan for joining me today. I'm Fionn Sheen, and today's episode of the Indo-Daily was produced by Gareth Mulhall, researched by Tabitha Monaghan, with sound by John Smith. Archive clips from Netflix, ITV, BBC, Channel 4, RTE, The Own Network, and Independent.ie. If you enjoy the Indo-Daily, don't forget to like, follow, and leave us a review. <laughs>